0: This podcast is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton. This is the Work and Life podcast, which explores how to create harmony among the different parts of life, work, home, community, and the private self, your mind, body, and spirit. Here is your host, founding director of Wharton's Work-Life Integration Project, and author of the bestseller, Total Leadership, Professor Stu Friedman.
1: You need sleep to live. Nancy Rothstein, who is a proud University of Pennsylvania alum, also earned her MBA from the University of Chicago's Booth School of Business, is the sleep ambassador. She is director of corporate sleep programs at Circadian a global company that provides 24-7 workforce performance and safety solutions for businesses that operate around the clock. Nancy helps people make lasting shifts to optimize their sleep quantity and quality. She consults to Fortune 500 companies, awakening leaders to the value of a good night's sleep for their workforce and providing sleep education for employees at all Levels. She lectures on sleep to the medical and dental communities to encourage integrating relevant sleep information into their practices. She's the author of a lighthearted book about a serious topic, sleep problems, called My Daddy Snores. Nancy and I talk about the well-documented sequelae of sleep deprivation, which is rampant now in our society individual problems like depression, weight gain, heart disease, the ripple effects of bad sleep on our family members. And for businesses, reduced productivity, workplace accidents, just to name a few. Nancy provides evidence-based tips for how to get better sleep in our lives. And in the second part of the episode, She talks to a couple of the listeners uh, of my radio show who called in to talk about their experiences, their problems with sleep. And I get some advice on my napping strategy. So now, get set to listen and learn about how to improve your health, your productivity, your sleep. It's Nancy Rothstein. Hello, Stu.
2: I'm
0: So excited to
1: be here. Well, it's great to have you back because you are an expert on a topic that really so many people uh, struggle with. Before we get into your wisdom, knowledge, and ideas for people, Nancy, how did you get to be a leading expert on sleep? What got you interested in this aspect of life?
0: It is such a good question. So my background was in finance. And financial risk management, in fact, the first book I wrote was the Handbook of Financial Futures, which is a treatise on hedging interest rate risk and a snoring spouse led me to recognize that I wasn't getting good sleep because of his snoring and took oh. out a piece of construction paper many years ago when my youngest now twenty seven was in kindergarten and wrote the original draft to my daddy snores fast forward Scholastic publishes it. 400,000 copies later, and I start to say, wait a minute, this finance stuff other people can do, but sleep's a risk management issue, and nobody's doing anything with it. Hmm. And the research was starting to come out about sleep deprivation impacting productivity, executive functioning, safety, health, healthcare costs, which keeps, fortunately, that whole body of research keeps growing. Mm -hmm. And I said, you know, I can make a difference here. Mm -hmm. And I started reaching out to large corporations, and they were starting to be receptive. And when you
1: say make a difference, Nancy, what does that mean to you?
0: Make a difference in terms of better sleeping? You know, your show is called Work Life, and I, I thought the play on that is actually sleep life. And without sleep, you can't live. I mean, this is not a negotiable thing, and it's not a disposable commodity. It is indispensable. And I think I recognize that when people and I actually use this term intentionally, learn to sleep better because whether you've got no high school degree or two PhDs, mm-hmm. probably never had a course on sleep. And our culture, our twenty four seven culture, is a huge um, culprit for people not doing what their biology needs and mm-hmm. our behaviors are mm-hmm. impact.
1: So before we go further, I want to make sure that we just capture what the essence of my daddy snores—the the original treatise. Uh, what was what was the big idea in my daddy? Snores? Oh my
0: gosh, that is such a good question. It was like I can't sleep. I, I called it secondhand sleep loss, like secondhand smoke,
3: uh-huh. and it
0: was like. I'm not getting good sleep and he's snoring and what does that mean which at the time I didn't know much about sleep apnea and I have an MBA after my name as you said not an MD but I started to get very involved in fact I just finished my term on the NIH's Sleep Disorder Research Advisory Board which mm-hmm. is a real honor and mm-hmm. fascinating and I started to recognize that this issue was something in homes everywhere mm-hmm. and that sleep was essential and part of the reason that I was so excited and am so excited about the book is because it's a conversation piece that gets the conversation going about sleep being important from, you know, Mm. and babies do a really good job at it. But as kids get older, I mean, 70, 80% of teens are not getting enough sleep. New York times just had an article about it in the last few days. I saw that Um, college students team, the the list goes on. Mm -hmm. So I, I think that the book was a – I'll always thank him for snoring. He's now my ex, but I will always thank him for snoring.
1: Was it the <laughs> snoring that came between you? Never mind. Yeah, you don't have it had to, a lot
0: to No, it had a lot to do with it. No way. It, uh, it, you know, when I did a documentary demo reel, it was called America's Not-So-Silent Secret. It's on my website. Uh-huh. It's a, like a nine-minute demo reel. And I remember in, um, interviewing one of the leading experts. She's a, a psychiatrist, and she said – First it's out of the bedroom, then it's downstairs, then it's out of the house from snoring. And I've had so you know, they say huh. by X year at one point it was saying that X percent, and it wasn't small, of homes would have like an anti snoring chamber off the master bedroom. Hm. Wow. So so that was the catalyst, but now it's just gone. It's not just about snoring. Right. It's about it's about sleep for people of all ages. Mm-hmm. And a- I love what I do, it's fun.
1: It's what's fun about it, Nancy.
0: I, you know, when you have the honor and the opportunity to give people simple tips that change. I mean, people come back to me. I cannot believe you've changed my life. I stopped looking at the clock in the middle of the night. We could talk more about that. But things like that or working with the U.S. Army. And knowing that because of some uh, uh, because of something we're doing that soldiers are sleeping better in the barracks that someone isn't snoring who was, hmm. or all kinds of things that have across the globe. Just knowing that this is such a huge issue and having the opportunity to be a you know as a sleep ambassador, I'm a bridge between the public and the world of experts, researchers, mm-hmm. clinicians, and resources in the field of sleep. And
3: mm-hmm. particularly
0: in my work as director of circadian corporate sleep programs, I get to work with companies now, um, from LinkedIn to a Fortune 25 to a large healthcare organization. Beth, I had a meeting today with a huge insurer who hadn't addressed this for their workforce yet, hmm. but are getting feedback in all kinds of ways that this is an issue for people.
1: It is an issue. So w- what... If you could summarize it i I know there's a lot of dimensions to this, not just your own sleep and you know your partner, the people you sleep with, their sleeping patterns and the sleep apnea that they you know that that ripples on the secondhand problem uh but the, and and the the intrusion of the digital world and the twenty four seven expectation of responsiveness. Um, the anxiety that, that is so much more pervasive in the world, given access to all the information that people have, especially young people. There's so much that's causing sleep problems. What do you see, from your perspective, as the sleep ambassador, as the major problems with sleep in America? How, how would you summarize the, them?
0: I think one of the biggest problems of sleep in America, and globally for that matter, mm-hmm is people have lost the simplicity of sleep
1: the simplicity of it
0: we sleep is rocket science doing it isn't we are designed to sleep and we have just made it this huge monumental there was an article in the new york times it was sleep is the new status symbol it was a sunday new york times style section and i thought oh my god please don't call it a status symbol but you mean said, the more you
1: have, the 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 higher your status? No,
0: I think it was just like you know, if you can get good sleep, it's like really cool. And what product do you right. have? And what you know? And I, I said, there's pandemonium in the bedroom. This is not. This is not so difficult. But what's happened is that people just don't know how to wind down. Hmm. They don't know how to have that transition from a busy day to going to sleep so that's the biggest and
1: problem that people don't know how to sleep
0: i aside from undiagnosed sleep disorders mm-hmm. regardless of how good your sleep habits are it's still gonna you know it's still gonna be a problem hmm. and that is a problem for i mean 85 percent of people with sleep apnea aren't diagnosed and of that 15 who are 15 percent who are half don't comply with treatment but your question was what's the biggest issue yes and i think the biggest issue well I think that's changing and that's recognizing that it's not like, and this was just before the show started, I'll sleep when I'm dead or, you know, you snooze, you lose. The paradigm is changing. And what's happened, and Stu, I just find it, it took time. Mm -hmm. It always takes time for things to sink in. Mm -hmm. For people to recognize that what we're doing isn't sustainable. That our biology isn't changing for eons. I mean epigenetics a bit. Our biology isn't changing. Right, and so, our behaviors have, and we're inflicting them on our on our sleep.
1: So the 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 behaviors are are what I mean. What what are the major um, causes of sleep problems today? So and,
0: I would say number one is technology before bed.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Number two would be not having a sleep routine, a transitional period from which you wind down from your busy day into setting the stage for sleep. I'd call that preparing for sleep or a sleep routine. Like you prepare for a meeting, like I prepared for the show, mm-hmm. like people prepare to go run or to, you know, to, to run a meeting
3: mm-hmm. or for a
0: trip. But very few people even think about pre, what does it mean to prepare for sleep? And we can talk about that. We will. And then, and I think that, you know, so it's technology, it's not having a sleep routine, and it's other things like thinking that a glass of wine puts you to bed, and it may help you fall asleep, but it interrupts your sleep cycles. And this constant, I would actually call it not only an addiction to screens, but an addiction to time. You know, looking mm. at the clock all the time. It's like free yourself from time.
1: What, and, what do you mean by that, Nancy? Free yourself so, from time.
0: I mean, not looking at the clock. Like if you can't fall asleep, you you turn that clock around. You free yourself from time. In fact, if somebody said, "What? Well, what's a good sleep tip, Nancy?" I would say, set your alarm an hour before bed. Your on your phone, and that is your cue to put it away. And if you have emergency stuff so you have the in case of emergency to ring through for certain numbers that Mm -hmm, kind of thing mm -hmm. and a a big problem a lot today is people don't have a landline i would say you know unplug your cell phone put it somewhere else but for the most part you have now this hour and the first at first do a half an hour to start yeah the biggest question i guess what do you do with that hour but so this
1: is the this is the prep time this is the setting the stage this is the transition you're talking about
0: and and you know we you know, what do you do in that hour? But the point is you need to segregate this time mm-hmm. that you are going to honor this transition because you can't just be running, come home from the gym, you know, hopefully take a quick shower, and that's a big part of a sleep routine. Everybody should shower or bathe at night and do it in the morning too. But who wants to get in bed dirty and it's good for the body temperature and it's soothing?
1: Shower at it's, night? Yes. Uh, how long before?
0: Nonsense.
1: Really? How long before sleep?
0: Well... You know, some some medical professional sleep experts would say not to do it, certainly in a half an hour before bed, a hot shower, because it raises the body temperature too much. Mm-hmm. But in that hour before sleep, yes. a nice shower, by the way, it is. And I've been meditating for over 40 years. So, and doing my, you know, we didn't call it mindfulness then, but a great place for mindfulness is in the shower. I heard there's a new shower curtain with a little pocket for your phone. That's absurd. But at least in the shower, you're not on your phone or your computer watching TV, hopefully. Mm -hmm. And it's a time to just close your eyes and feel gratitude. Gratitude is a great way to get out of your head and just feel the water. Most of the world doesn't have the luxury Mm -hmm. of just taking a warm shower when they want. And so it's a great time to practice mindfulness. And it's a great segue to sleep.
1: The the biggest problem is that people don't know how to ready themselves for it, and as a result, their sleep is disrupted or disturbed. If I have it right,
0: yeah.
1: What what are the costs? What, well, are, the, what are the big costs for people?
0: Well, the big costs are are not being fully engaged in life. I mean, mm. inadequate sleep. You said costs. So I'm gonna put. I'm gonna make the business case for bedtime, and this is Wharton, right?
1: This is so, Wharton Business Radio, Sirius yeah. XM 132. That's what you're listening <laughs> to. Go on. What are the costs from a inadequate, business perspective?
0: So inadequate sleep, I'm going to step back a little bit, and then I'll get to All the right. more specific costs. But inadequate sleep effectively devaluates, devalues our ability to function in work, per your show's name, and in life. And I, I've been talking about this for a long time, but I actually wrote an article. It was... Why sleep is worth the time investment, and I said, is sleep worth, is sleep a waste of time, or is time a waste without sleep? And there is a value. There's an mm-hmm. ROI, a return on investment, to a good night's sleep, um, both personally and professionally, in terms of your productivity, your executive functioning. Uh, there was a good in in that other school, Harvard Business Review. There was a good article that came out of McKinsey about. Um, executive functioning and mm-hmm. sleep. Mm-hmm. So there's all research based. Pretty much everything I do is research based. I mean, certainly there's things that I gain from listening to people year in and year out about the things they face. But you can make the business case for bedtime and you can make certainly the personal case for bed- business or I mean, for bedtime.
1: So w- how much sleep do people need?
0: So that's a great question, and I love that question because the answer is seven to nine hours for adults. However, somebody could be in sl- sleep for nine in bed, nine hours, and have lousy quality sleep. They've got undiagnosed sleep apnea. They have restless leg syndrome. Um, myriad reasons. So it's not just the quantity of your sleep; it's the quality of your sleep. And I'd rather Mm -hmm. see somebody getting a fabulous six hours of sleep and being awakened by an alarm because they have no choice. They have little kids and they work full-time plus than somebody who's tossing and turning for nine hours.
1: So what's – define fabulous. fabulous. You said –
0: Yeah, you want to know? Yeah, what's what's a fabulous six hours?
1: Describe that if you would.
0: The the, the fabulous telltale sign for getting a good night's sleep. yes. Do you wake up feeling rested? Hmm. Do you need caffeine? Do Hmm. you fall asleep in the afternoon? You need a nap. Are you dozing off at work or at the wheel, which 30% of people in the U.S. admit that they do at least a few times a month, that they're drowsy driving. Mm -hmm. So I think that they are, again, back to our biology, our bodies are talking to us,
1: Hmm. not
0: to mention our minds and our even our spirits, which is a whole nother. Oh my God, that's another show. The spirituality of sleep, my favorite thing.
1: Yeah, well, so,
0: yeah, just so cool. So because you talk about body, mind, and spirit. Well,
1: in we do, and we do indeed, Nancy. So uh, now, so if I need a nap during the day, does that mean I'm not sleeping well at night?
0: Great question. So some would say if you okay a nap is not a substitute for nighttime sleep or daytime if you're a shift worker. And so if you need a nap every day, mm-hmm. I have to ask, is it a 10, 15 minute yes. power nap? Yes. Is it a mindfulness thing or are you literally falling asleep and setting an alarm? No What's I, going
1: I, on? Speaking personally now, yeah uh, I, I'm uh, you know for the last few years, I've been napping. I'm, I'm 66 now, so mm-hmm. you know, I, I was going to ask you, and we can get into this now or later about how sleep needs change over time. But I find that, uh, you know, there are times during the day when my mind is, you know, becoming a little foggy and I'm thinking, okay, I need to rest and I'll take 15 minutes and boom, I feel c- incredibly refreshed. So, you know, that's, that's pretty standard for me now. And I have a, a lot of freedom and I'm fortunate in that way. So I can figure out ways of doing that. I also have, uh, you know, had to find creative ways of uh, you're getting a quiet space for 15 minutes so that I can't sure. indeed put my head down. It's not always so easy. Um, but I, I make it a habit, and it, it, it just improves my mental functioning, my acuity, you know, my ability to just get things done and to be present, engaged. So well, are you saying that I need more sleep?
0: No, I'm not. First, I have a question. Yeah. Is it that you literally wake up after 15 minutes or you're sort of, Medi- what do you do? Do oh. oh, you need an alarm? or well, you, actually you know, I do. Shows off. S- I
1: I set an alarm. Okay, I, I set good. my phone alarm for, good. you know, so eight, 18 minutes, something like that.
0: Perfecto. And I'll tell you why. Tell me. We all know what it's like to take a nap and it goes for 45 minutes an hour and you wake up groggy, right? That's horrible. That is because you are, you're in the middle of a sleep cycle. Right. So that's what that's all about. Mm-hmm. But if you take what we call a power nap. That's actually a term. Minutes,
1: that means something, okay? Yes, yes. And
0: that is great. That under a half an hour and really ten to twenty minutes, uh-huh. it does and has been scientifically shown to improve alertness oh, it's, and executive it, functioning. It's vividly and it clear is to me. Wonderful.
1: Yeah. What about what about twice a day, Nancy?
0: You know, if it's twice a day and they're really you're setting an alarm, I'm wondering if you're getting good enough quality sleep during the night. You know, okay. I'm not an MD. I'm a an MBA, right. but. But I but I have to wonder, that said, yes. for everybody, all of you listeners out there, yep. and I hope we'll have a little time to talk about mindfulness and how, you know, maybe you're just, you're wired, you've got, you're
3: anxious, mm-hmm. you've
0: got a lot of stress at work, and your brain is just, like, screaming out and saying, ah, so what do you do then, and, um... Maybe that's a little bit different than actually taking a nap. It's just yeah. going someplace quiet and focusing on your breath.
1: Well, I do for that too,
0: ten
1: minutes. Uh, yeah. So that that's a part of my particular repertoire. So yeah. I, I, again, I I have the good fortune, especially at this stage of my life, to have more freedom to you know mm-hmm. to do these sorts of things. Most people, especially younger people, don't. Yeah. So so how do you fit? You know, some people. When you said seven to nine hours, I'm sure there's people listening who thought. Ugh, that's impossible. Okay. Is she kidding yeah. me? Like what planet is she on? So, how do you do how do you deal with that?
0: Issue? I get that question all the time and yeah. my first thing is let's just not focus on the amount of sleep you get. Let's okay. focus on the quality of sleep. Mm-hmm. And I'm gonna go back to that preparing for sleep, mm-hmm. honoring your sleep. And you know, you said something I was listening to some of your shows and it was with Lay and Weiss and yes. you were talking about, you know, what you try to do on the show is bring practical value to listeners to mm-hmm. use in their lives and that mm-hmm. is foremost in my mind as I'm speaking and then you talk and this is so apropos to Mm -hmm. the kinds of training we do at circadian and what I do lecturing anytime and that there's a path to do whatever it is successfully and it's small steps so all Uh you out there it's just small steps, and it's like an experiment you try to see what works for me what Mm -hmm. doesn't work for me and you said these were your words you gain a sense of confidence competence and freedom Towards the world you want to create. Yeah. And if you want to create confidence, confidence, and freedom for your sleep, then it's going to take steps. You cannot change it so, overnight.
1: But why don't people honor their sleep, Nancy, to because use your term? Because
0: we were so ingrained to think, go, 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 do, do, do. And what ends up happening, and one of my clients is LinkedIn, and it's fabulous to work with them because I was overwhelmingly surprised that millennials were saying, I can't keep this up. Mm -hmm. I need to do something about this. Mm -hmm. And so we had to go back and, you know, do some sleep training and education, giving people the scientific basis that they say, wow, I didn't know that. I didn't know that, you know, we don't have to get into the specifics, but two hormones, ghrelin and leptin, are no wonder I can't lose weight. I don't get enough sleep. Hmm. So I think I'm hungrier, and my brain's being tricked into think I need more energy. It's a double whammy, and now I can't lose weight.
1: Wait, I mean, so, so you're saying difference. that better sleep re- uh, results in uh, better weight control?
0: Yeah, I would say better, good sleep, good healthy sleep and, cause can impact your weight. Part of the reason obesity is a bigger problem than it could should maybe should be is not just what we eat, it's when we eat. And why we eat, and what we choose to eat.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: So there is a huge correlation between weight, weight gain, and obesity. All and right. Sleep. What
1: is the hardest part in making changes to improve one's sleep? What 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 keeps people from actually making the kinds of changes uh, that they need to make? Like, for example, with preparing for uh, their sleep and, and developing a routine for making it uh, you, habitual. You
0: know, it's such a good question. And I think what I'm recognizing with hundreds and hundreds of people more and more is they need to almost attach it to something else. It's like trying to do anything new in a vacuum, whether it's exercising, losing weight. It's, you have to say, okay, this, I don't feel great. So I'm going to start a new routine. And I know I brush my teeth every night. So. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to set my phone alarm to go off to tell me it's time to prepare for sleep. Hmm. And again, it's back to what you said on your other show. It's, it's taking small steps, Mm -hmm. but it's taking that first step. And the first step is a pact with yourself. I am going to try this, like tuning out from technology or not watching TV in bed or, you know, tuning out from technology at least a half an hour to, to start an hour before bed. I'm not going to mm. look at the clock during the night. I'm not going to check text if I wake up during the night. I'm going to free myself from time. It's taking a step, at least one, that you can see, huh, it's, wow, that really is making a
4: difference.
1: Monroe is calling from Maryland. Hey, Monroe, welcome back to Work and Life.
4: Good day, good people.
1: <laughs> so, <laughs> what...
4: I've been, uh, I've been, I've, I, uh, wow. Okay, I have the honor of being the first caller, so I apologize to any and all following callers that I may have stolen your thunder. But I've got a list. Well, uh, we've been together for about five. Start. Years
1: and- start with one, Monroe, because there are other people who want to get on too. So just let's. What's the big, big issue that I you want to make sure we talk about? Fire
4: off of- what about just rapid-fire them off? All? <laughs> all
1: right, give us two. We've
4: tried everything. we tried everything. Uh, let's see. Uh, we've tried stretching and yoga. We've tried a new mattress, which was $2,000. We got some brand-new $180 hotel pillows, new linen. We moved from the front of the house to the back of the house because of lighting and noise. Uh, we've tried to turn the blinds upwards because of moonlight. We've done no electronics at least 30 minutes before going to sleep. Sex, gym, whatever it is to wear yourself out so it's like you're just dead tired. Uh-huh. Eating past a certain time. Uh, 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 getting her to just talk, 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 talk. Talk, talk so she can get everything off of her mind okay so she to sleep. we've tried white noise such as the air purifier all right tea, black tea champagne wine just to get yourself drunk uh, empty the bladder uh, me holding her rocking her like a baby and, and the only thing what's and the problem the last one was earplugs. Okay. we've tried everything and what happens is whenever we get something new it's like she does sleep, but then her body figures out, oh, you tricked me and now all of a sudden she's back to waking up in the middle of the night again and uh, not getting a full night's sleep. So that's Nothing the problem. Do has
1: all right, Monroe. Wow. You you really have tried. And Nancy, I'm gonna just turn it over to you and see what you can do to help Monroe Thank you. and his partner.
0: Monroe and your partner and anybody out there listening who has anything similar from your laundry list. So she's waking up during the night. And we don't know why. So I could ask a number of questions. Does she wake up to pee? Does she just wake up? And if she's waking up, the first numero uno is don't look at the clock and don't wake you to talk. I don't know if she's doing either. But number one is don't look at the clock. And I have talked to hundreds and hundreds of people. And I do this in corporate audiences. Okay, who wakes up during the middle of the night yet? And when people say to me, oh, I wake up every night at 3 in the morning. And I'm like, how do you know that? because they're looking at the clock. Generally, if it's before 3, it's like, oh, good, I can go back to sleep for three hours. And if it's after 3, it's like I'll never get up, I'll never fall back asleep, and I'll, I'm not going to function tomorrow at work. So don't look at the clock because your your brain has a heyday. It's off to the races, and it's counting. So you want to, as I said earlier, free yourself from time. You didn't mention anything about snoring. So I, that is that an issue? No. Okay, good. So the question is, is she why is she waking up? And now I'm going to go back and say she didn't have trouble falling. Well, you said you you know first of all drinking wine or champagne is going to interrupt your sleep cycles, and there would be no wonder she wakes up. But I'm really going to focus on your preparing for bed, and that means technology's off an hour before bed, no TV in the bedroom, you're reading in bed. They've
1: tried that.
0: Well, I didn't hear that they really have a routine mm. before that. I heard all these okay. you know these snippets of we did this, we did that. Great on the mattress. $2000 fine. It's an important investment. What do you spend on an inexpensive safe car? You know, where do you spend more time in your car or in your mattress? So pillows, great. Are they comfortable? Terrific. Um, you move to get away from the light. Yes, you need dark for sleep. Anybody, if you're not driving, put your hand in front of your closed eyes, wave it up and down. Light's going through your eyelids. So is the noise. If you have a TV on, for example, all night. Mm -hmm. So you're taking all the great steps, but what I'm wondering about is, does she? is she in her head? Is she thinking, 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 and can't transition to sleep in peace? Which gets to... What I had an epiphany today, Stuart, listening to your show with Leah Weiss about mm-hmm. mindfulness, and I thought, wow, what we need for sleep is mindlessness. Hmm. You know, we don't, we, our minds are so full, and mindfulness is an incredible practice. I've been doing it, as I said, for a long time, but we need less. So I'm going to suggest a simple technique for you and she to try If you're having trouble falling asleep or calming down, and literally you don't need to go get an app or a tape, you don't want your phone on anyway, and just focus on your breath. Feel yourself breathing in. Stu talks about the heart. Mindfulness is in. And Leah said mindfulness is integrating heart and mind. So your heart's going to beat all night. And your mind needs to calm down because your brain has plenty to do during sleep. We, you know, it's doing a whole different network of things that we don't do when we're awake, like cleaning itself, which is called the glymphatic system. But so, go back to your breathing. Your eyes are closed. If you're not driving now, just try this:
1: close so, your
0: eyes and just breathe. Just breathe. breathe now breathe.
1: How she does that come. deal with the problem of waking up a couple hours later, which seems to be the issue for you're Monroe getting, and his partner?
0: Because they're going to try this again if they wake up during the night. Not going to look at the clock, and you're not going to, okay. you're going to guesstimate. If after about 20 minutes, you're still talking and turning, or she is, she's going to get up quietly, go fold laundry, empty the dishwasher, do something, not get on the computer or the phone, and she's going to first try to go back to her breathing. The mouth is closed. You should breathe in and out through your nose unless you have that congestion problem. And breathe into your heart. Your heart is not it. Combine body awareness, gratitude, and your breath. And it is a wonderful recipe to get out of all your thoughts. And your body is always present. It's your mind that's in the past and future.
1: All right. Well, uh, Monroe, I hope this is helpful to you. And, and your and your partner, and that you try this uh, idea, and let us know what you find out when you when you do make this attempt. If indeed you do try it, uh, Leslie, calling from San Diego, welcome to Work in Life, Leslie. What's on your mind?
2: So I just want to say that I had undiagnosed sleep apnea for twenty plus years, and I I was not sleeping for a long, long time. And I was afraid to go to the doctor because I didn't want to have an old lady mask or, a, you know, a fat person's mask, you know, the CPAP machine. Well, I finally decided at 52 that it was time for me to get some sleep because I felt like it was keeping me from doing some things in my life. I was tired. I was overweight. I'm still overweight, but I think that it's helping with that. Mm-hmm. So I went to the doctor and I got the CPAP machine and I have never, ever been happier. I am so much better. I sleep like a baby every night. I look forward to going to sleep. So, I sleep
1: so what was, so well. Let Let me just jump in here, Leslie. What What was the change that you made?
2: I got a CPAP machine, which is it, the machine. CPAP. That that's constant,
1: CPAP. What is that?
2: Yeah, yeah. It blows a constant stream of air into my nose, hmm. so it keeps my airways open, and I sleep with my mouth closed all night. I don't. It's so amazing. It's so amazing. Wow. I don't I I was snoring and I had sleep apnea. Just I think from being overweight and just getting older, I think all of those together it's made easy. my snoring so bad. I couldn't I couldn't have a relationship. My kids always said I snored. I couldn't have friends over. It was embarrassing. Hmm. So I finally went to the doctor. I had a sleep study and I just wanted to say if anyone is having any issues with that. Go get it fixed because it changes your life. Awesome. Completely. Leslie. Yeah, and wait, I just want to ask the doctor one thing. I just wondered how long it will be. I've been doing it for now for about a month. I've had the machine. And I was just wondering if there's repairs that my brain is doing or will I be completely healed and normal again someday? Because I know there's some damage that's done when you're not breathing at night.
1: Leslie, thank you so much for sharing your story and about the, the, the value of taking seriously that you've got a problem and seeking help for it. And you've, you found a solution that, at least for now, is working. I uh, really appreciate your calling, Work and Life, Leslie. Nancy, what do you think about uh, what Leslie did and what it might mean for her?
0: Well, Leslie, you're a poster child. That's like I, I, We didn't pre-plan this. Um everybody, anybody who has sleep apnea or may or has somebody family, go to myapnea.org. It's a patient portal mm-hmm. for people with sleep apnea to, to get involved in research and all kinds of things. And so, yeah, I, I mean, Leslie, congrats, kudos to you, because 85% of the people with sleep apnea haven't done what you did. Mm, so. And they may not even know. And it's a walking... It's a walking time bomb for cardiovascular disease, hypertension, depression. So kudos to you. As for how long, you know, this is an anatomical thing. It means your airway is constricted and your airway needs to be open. And a CPAP, which, by the way, stands for continuous positive airway pressure, mm-hmm. is basically a blower motor to open your airway. Mm-hmm. I think I said I have mild sleep apnea. I don't wear a CPAP. I wear an oral appliance that juts my jaw forward and opens my airway. So mine is very mild, but the fact that you did something as for the, you know, what it's done and the time you weren't oxygenating properly, you know, I can't assess that, but the fact that you're doing something and that you're so excited about it and compliant with treatment is fabulous and, um, kudos to you. And this is sleep apnea is not something to ignore. It just isn't.
1: Nancy, we only have a couple minutes left. Um, why would a company contact you if you could tell us in just thirty seconds like how how do clients get to you and and what do they say? my people are having trouble sleeping I, how how does it how do they how so, do they bring their issue to you? How do they know they have a problem?
0: So first of all, it's in the press everywhere, mm-hmm. and you know whether it's in The Wall Street Journal or Fortune or it's that fast company and the list goes on. And so making a business case for bedtime isn't so hard. Sometimes companies are coming to us because on health risk assessments, coming to the top of it, even if they didn't include it, is sleep. People are, you know, other issues, sleep, 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 sleep. So it's the the whole thing um, is coming into the realm of the corporate world. And it's also, I think, important to note it's not just a fluffy wellness issue. I mean, it's, it, it just isn't, because when you look at the, the dollars that companies spend on training and development or acquiring mm-hmm. skill sets, all of those efforts and expenses are compromised when the employee, at any level, from CEO down to you mm-hmm. know uh, a junior, junior person, is compromised when they're sleep-deprived. And so, you know, really, and every employee is a member of the public as well. So really, getting good sleep is an investment for living life to the fullest when you're awake, wherever you are, at do, home at leisure at work.
1: How do we help our kids uh, to develop good sleep oh, patterns and God. what and what can schools do to help? Oh. Again, we don't have it's another show entirely, but if you could oh, just oh, give me is. like the headline for the what headline parents can do. That, yeah,
0: I'll tell you what parents could do. Parents could be good role models. Mm-hmm. If I had my brothers do, and through my book and through some projects I'm working on, I would make sleep cool I little kids, they learn about skeletons and they learn about world, and they learn about all. nobody teaches them anything about sleep and what goes on. It's fascinating. So, so if we could make school as cool as robots you mean,
1: uh, you, yeah, you mean make sleep as cool as robots.
0: We need to educate them. that huh? matters, and we need to we need to stop keeping them up so late and not telling mm. handing them an iPad in bed.
1: Mm-hmm. So those are all practical tips. But like, what what's the the best resource for parents who are trying to figure out how to teach their kids good, good, good sleep habits? Is there a place to go online or some other well, books that you'd I'll recommend? I'll
0: tell you something. There aren't any scientific books on sleep, and I I want to see that change. But there is um, StartSchoolLater.net, dot net, especially for high school kids. Mm-hmm. Will lead you to other resources. And and truly, okay. thank you, Google. Google um, children in sleep, how much sleep, you know, and I, I lecture mm-hmm. on it a fair amount, but how much, look at the American Academy of Pediatrics, look at um, sleepeducation.org from how, mm-hmm. understanding sleep.org from Harvard, or go to the sleepambassador.com and go to my resources and references in on that press and resources page it's very curated to get you the sites that you can get you really good information
1: all right so c- can you just repeat how people can find out more about your work and other resources for learning more about sleep
0: so if you go to the sleep com on my homepage, it, it's not chock-a-block with it's got lots of references But if you are a corporation or you have employees or you individually want to go through a four-week sleep education and training program, you'll see a button for it there Mm. called Sleep Well, Live Well. Okay, It's a sort of a cognitive behavioral therapy, not formally, but it's based on those principles for people to have a four-week sleep improvement program. Cool. Because again, you can't change your sleep bad sleep habits overnight any more than you can lose a lot of weight you've gained over time on mm-hmm. a weekend.
1: It takes it takes a commitment. How do you bring compassion to your working life?
0: I recognize that people really have to care so much about themselves that they take sleep seriously and they look at it as an integral part of their life Mm -hmm. and have the attitude, the compassion for themselves that Mm -hmm. I am going to listen to my body and my brain when they say stop.
1: Awesome, wonderful. Nancy, thank you so much for your wisdom uh, that you bring to the world and for bringing it to our show tonight. Really appreciate your time and and your wonderful efforts to help others. Thank
0: you so much, it's an honor. For more insight from Business Radio,